0: This is a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, The Business Station. It's time for football.
1: Salah,
2: skip Cancelo. Oh, That's brilliant from Mo Salah, and still
3: Salah, oh sensational, absolutely sensational.
0: Just for kicks on BFM eighty nine point
2: nine. Hello and welcome to uh, Just for Kicks with a new seven thirty kickoff. And if you are waiting till eight o'clock for the kickoff, well, sorry, you've missed half an hour already, but then you wouldn't have heard this. So I don't know how it works. Time, space, continuum, Back to the future. And our three pundits today, we have Bob Holmes.
1: Hi, everybody. Uh, I suppose the thing to do would be to do a Jurgen Klopp and complain about these early 7.30 kickoffs, wouldn't it?
2: We're not complaining. This is is promotion. We've been promoted to the Premier League now. Well, (laughs) seven o'clock is the premier league we're, we're at the championship now so um and we have uh kishnan and hello, hello everyone good to be back still glowing from meeting david beckham which we're going to talk <laughs> talk about later and uh all the way from the home of football tm uh qatar land uh it's des Kill
4: where I hope uh, that the Asian Cup is coming over as a a really good event. Being here is fabulous, but I'm wrapped up in it, of course. Uh, I've loved the drama, love the penalties, love the uh, the VAR incidents galore, and uh, really looking forward to the quarterfinals. Well,
2: in today's show, we're going to talk Asian Cup and then Premier League. So let's start with the Asian Cup. And, well, let's start with you, Des. Uh, It's now quarterfinal time, and we're going to have... Well, well, obviously four matches. Tajikistan versus Jordan, Australia versus South Korea, Iran versus Japan, Qatar versus Uzbekistan. That's just over 50% of the teams which we would have expected to get to this point. Um, Have there been surprises in this tournament?
4: Uh, There have. There have been loads of surprises. Um, One of the levelling up uh, things has been something Malaysia have been doing quite well. It's it's, it's use of the um, the naturalisation rules, but also... Uh, working on your diaspora. So I did the Syria, uh, Syria game uh, the other day against Iran that went to e- extra time and a penalty shootout. And Syria, with including uh, uh, Khalil Eliaf, who's going to be playing in um, uh, Choror uh, next season, uh, they surprised everybody by arguably having a real chance, only going out on penalties to Iran. But most of their team or the heart of their team was made up of players from the Argentine League who have suddenly found Syrian parentage, uh, which. Sorry, haven't suddenly found. Always had Syrian parentage. uh, But the football team have suddenly found that uh, they are eligible to play for Syria. And it's really leveled the playing field in this uh, Asian Cup. Yes, the big boys are still likely to do well. I still reckon Japan are going to be the favourites. But it has been really good to see um, that the the, the levelling up of Asian football. Indonesia did well to get through. Uh, Malaysia, if we hadn't believed our own publicity in the first game, could well have progressed to the... um, uh, second round or the knockout stage, as I think we all suggested. So that's been one of the real features uh, of of this tournament uh, for me. Obviously, though, the big boys are going to be there. The romantic story, by the time we go to where they may be out, but the romantic story being Tajikistan and the craziest, charismatic uh, Peter segatt as their as their coach. Uh, having met him in person a couple of times now, he is as charismatic. He is as a uh, nutcasey as he uh, as he seems, but he's also got a very astute football brain. Uh, to get Tajikistan so far into the tournament, so it's been it's been great fun. But I am anticipating that the the bigger nations, plus Qatar, uh, are going to make it through to the final stage. Yeah, and uh, Keish, you've
2: been covering the matches for Astro. How how has this uh,
3: tournament turned out so far? For oh, it's been it, it's been pretty exciting. I mean, the the thing that I've enjoyed the most about about the the last one month is on one end you've got the African Cup of Nations that's, you know, serving mm. some of the biggest upsets that that we've seen in the history of the tournament. When you look at the last eight of the AFCON this year and the last eight of the previous AFCON, there's only one team or two teams that, that are same. The rest are all different in the quarterfinals. Um, so they've been serving up major upsets. And then the Asian Cup has just given us so many last-minute dramas, right? They all these last-minute goals, dragging games into extra time, into penalties, and it's a sort of drama that's been really, really. I mean, the Korea Saudi Arabia game was just absolutely sensational. Um, uh, it, it's just been great entertainment. Um, but I'm just a little, I'm just a little frustrated, and 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 I reckon I'm going to be a little heartbroken by the end of today because the the last thing you'd want is you know teams like Jordan and Tajikistan playing each other. In the quarterfinals, because you want them to be separated. I mean, Jordan are also trying to make history here as you know minor underdogs, you could argue. Tajikistan are the, the greatest story of this of this Asian Cup so far, coming all the way to the quarterfinals in their debut Asian Cup campaign. And unfortunately, only one of them is gonna go through uh to the to the semifinals, which is a bit, you know, heartbreaking and and I, I would have loved to see both of them stand a chance. But uh yeah, I'm really, really Personally, I'm really, really rooting for Tajikistan. We saw them in Kuala Lumpur at the Pestabola Medica Finals. We got a glimpse of Peter Segar and just how charismatic and, and cool of a of a head coach he is. And I'm just hoping the Tajikistan story continues beyond today.
2: And uh Bob, one of the talking points of the 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 last round was Roberto Mancini, the coach for Saudi Arabia, walking out even before the penalty kickoff uh, uh, the penalty shootout had finished. I bet you're just, you're you're raging at that, surely, aren't you? Uh, I
1: did I didn't see it. I, I have to uh, say that I, I'm adopting the Arsene Wenger um, policy here. No, I didn't see it, so it would be unfair to comment. Um, but Man- Mancini, I mean, he is uh, he is noted for being a bit of a temperamental uh, guy on the touchline. Mm. Um, I remember <laughs> remember when he was at Man City. You know, he uh, he really went through the ringer. Uh, There and I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised that he that he did walk out anyway. But I like that. I'm disgusted on your behalf. There
4: two theories to this one though, Cam. Uh, What what, one is discussed should have been with the team. The other one is that uh, he's being paid a a lot of money uh, (laughs) to to manage Saudi Arabia, and he's trying to change a whole culture. Uh, What he was doing there, he's tried to make statements galore by playing a 16 year old in one of their group games by dropping uh, some of the big star names, Al Farage, uh, before the tournament even began. And one of the, 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 the things that we, we are hypothesizing is that he's completely trying to change the Saudi culture. Saudi Arabia is going through immense change on the ground. And in football, they're, they're nearly there, but they never do well in World Cups. Yeah. They get two World Cups, but never do well in World Cups. And the theory you know, is that Mancini is trying to set such high standards that doing well in the World Cup is, is the bigger target. Uh, I'm I'm with everybody else though. So it was it was horrible what he did, but that could be method in his madness. I can't see him being sacked, you know, uh, simply because he's on uh, that. Uh, so much faith has been put in him changing the culture here. It's a very interesting I mean, one. And to sack him might break the bank in Saudi Arabia. You never know. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keish, very quickly,
2: have any players cropped up that you think we're, we will be seeing in
3: the Scottish League next season? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I don't know Scottish league or not but well, uh, a lot of Asian players out there uh, Japan Ebozbek, I think most Japan play that Ebozbek Fizulayev of Uzbekistan I mean he's absolutely a, incredible he's a 20 year old attacker uh, and at the age of 20 he's already playing for CSKA Moscow in the Russian league um and and he, he's just been he's just been really really good I mean Uzbekistan the, the biggest name before this has always been Jalaluddin Masharipov so he's always sort of been the the talisman of the team but in this tournament, besides Misharipov, who has been pretty decent, Facebook Life has just stepped up. Scored one goal in the group stages. Scored the winner the other day um, against Thailand. And he's the one to really keep an eye on. Because I think bigger clubs in Europe are going to start coming after him. Mm.
2: Okay, well, uh, Asian Cup continues. And we will return to it as it goes along. But for now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's going to be Premier League, I think, pretty much all the way. Here on Just for Kicks on BFM
0: 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM
2: 89.9. Welcome back. And now we um, will be looking at the Premier League matches that happened in the midweek. And uh, and then later we're going to preview the ones coming up over the weekend. A lot of games suddenly. I don't know. First of all, is the winter break over? Did it happen? Was there a winter break? <laughs>
1: I uh, there's nodding of heads and I, I didn't notice it myself well I think it was a success because it was ex- it was supposed not to be noticed the broadcasting continued <laughs> it was just a fewer games than usual on certain weekends that's all uh-huh. so I think uh-huh. they got away with it
2: okay so uh we're going to look back at the matches in chronological order actually for the first time but also in order of importance because Bob Holmes we're going to start with Nottingham Forest 1 Arsenal 2 I uh, noticed that a lot of Arsenal fans were very displeased with the team's performance. But I thought, well, you know, they got the job done. Uh, Arsenal did what they had to do and they did it okay.
1: Yeah, well, some Arsenal fans are a bit hard to satisfy, aren't they? Mm. Um, they wobbled a little bit at the end, um, but uh, they, sh- they shouldn't have been in that position. I mean, they were clearly superior to Forrest, a makeshift Forrest side. Um, And it was uh, the guy that Forrest had been missing for three months, uh, Taiwo Awoni, who got the goal. And it really does make you think that uh, had he been playing this last three months, Forrest wouldn't have, wouldn't quite be in the mess that they are currently in. He, he's a vital player and his strength um, scoring the goal, I mean, he only prodded it into the net, but the strength he showed in Shrugging off Saliba was uh, something that um, Mikel Arteta might have noticed. Uh, he was like brushing a fly off. Um, so Iwoni is a very good player. And uh, I don't think Arsenal were at their best. But uh, and, they've, and they've got Liverpool coming up. Yeah. So perhaps that influenced the Arsenal fans' criticism. They certainly didn't. They didn't look as if they could beat Liverpool. Put it like that on that showing. No, I mean, the first goal was a gift from the forest keeper. Um, so well, bad, whose
2: days are numbered, I believe. Uh,
1: well, they are definitely. He was so bad that um, they've replaced him already. Mm. Um, so, a former Arsenal keeper as well, former Arsenal uh, reserve keeper, Matt Turner, United States number one keeper, but an elementary mistake. Um, so Arsenal, well, I mean, they they passed it around quite well. They uh Emile Smith-Rowe got a run out um, after, you know, he's he's gradually coming back, hardly featured at all last season. So, I mean, it, it's not all gloom and doom for Arsenal. Uh, Jesus got onto the score sheet, courtesy of Turner. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be thinking they've really got to up their game on uh, Sunday night for Liverpool. Wow. Uh,
2: Des, uh, you know, American sports fans, they get so... Bemused and angry about the concept of a, a game ending in a draw. Um, it, it upsets them. Fulham nil, Edith Everton nil. But 42 shots,
4: 10 on target, no goals. It was pretty entertaining. It was pretty entertaining. Everton fans uh, bemoaning the fact that another decision seems to have gone against them. Um, handball on the goal line, admittedly very difficult. But don't, Everton have had quite a few of those little things go against them. Um, so th- they're it's thinking, conspiracy, that- isn't it? Des, it is, isn't it? Well, they're thinking that <laughs> the things have gone against them. And when you're uh-huh. down, that luck is really against you. Um, but, uh, for- this was important for Fulham because on the back of their double cup knockout last week, uh, there's a danger there. That their their whole season could just disappear. So it's important for them not to lose games, but for Everton, gosh, with Luton suddenly producing four nil victories. And, uh, um, more points deductions possible, although an appeal is being held this week, I think, for or next week for uh, the 10-point deduction against them. They're going back into the old Everton of not being able to score goals. They had that really hot um, spell of four, uh, four wins, I think it was, in four games after the original 10-point deduction. Now they're struggling to score goals again. Uh, they're not getting things going their way. They're into the relegation zone. A testing testing period coming up for Everton. We're going to talk about them at the weekend, but this is a good draw in terms of getting a point at Fulham. But in terms of uh, staying in the top flight, it's not a good point for Everton, and they'll be bemoaning the fact that those um, decisions aren't going their way. Yeah. Uh meanwhile, well, not even decisions, uh, but victories
2: going their way, and I think we'll spend a bit of time on this. Luton Town 4, Brighton nil. Hmm. Yeah. I... I I want you to comment on Luton but I'd also like to ask you about De Zerbe and his pedigree coming into this. Uh, there is word that he does tend to well not stay long and that by the end of his
3: reign things do kind of falter. Um, I, I don't know if it falters or whatever but De Zerbe is a bit like Marcelo Bielsa in a sense where they, they've got principles that they will not compromise. Up. They, they will only play a certain brand of football even if it comes at the expense of you know possible defeats or outcomes like this. When I watched this Brighton performance, the one thing though that was really glaring was just how easily they were bypassed in midfield. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like Billy Gilmore as a player, um, but he was just way too pedestrian. And 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 when you when you compare the current Brighton midfield setup to the one they had a couple of seasons ago with Yves Bissouma and Moises. Caicedo, Ka- Ka- the, the the player that replaced Bisuma, and and there's so much of energy and tenacity in their midfield that's very much required to run the Deserbi brand of football, which is you know the high octane football that requires a lot of box to box running, especially if you're you're a midfielder in his system. But the current midfield is is too pedestrian, and they're banking on a young boy called Carlos Baleba who came off the bench this time around. But you, you can't keep playing a young boy like that week in, week out. you got to you know give him a bit of space and time. And at the same time, um, Mo Dahoud, the, the signing that they they made from Borussia Dortmund, supposedly to replace Moises Caicedo, he hasn't quite worked out. And Dahoud has now gone back on loan to the Bundesliga. So it, it's that midfield that's really the cause for concern for me. Because if, if you're going to run the DZB high-intensity system, you need... Two really excellent midfielders. Mm. You also but, need to not be 2-0 down
2: after five minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that they, they, too, yeah. I think it's the second fastest two goals in Premier League history and Premier League is, is the history of football. Bob. Um speaking of uh, high energy Octane, I mean Luton Town, they 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 came at them. Uh they must have just
1: Brighton must be just stunned. Um, not a good night for uh, De Zerbi's uh, future prospects, I fear. Um, he's been shortlisted for the Man City and mentioned for the Liverpool jobs. Um, and I think when anybody was uh, seriously considering him and, and they saw that, uh, they'd probably think, hmm, you know, I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't like to see that happening here. But, um, I mean, it's a one-off game. Um, 2-0 down after five minutes takes your breath away, doesn't it? Whoever you are. And all credit to Luton Town. I mean, this this story just keeps going on, doesn't it? It's incredible. I mean, listeners must be sick of hearing that they were a non-league club, what, five or six years ago. But it's really worth mentioning to underline the progress that's been made. And why this is such a special um, time for Luton. Because they were everybody's favourites to go down. I don't think you could even bet on them, get a bet on them for going down. And here they are. Then they're out of the relegation zone. And I think what it shows is there's nothing like momentum in football. And teams have gone up out of the divisions. And as as big as uh, the gulf is between some of them, certainly between the Championship and the Premier League, if you've got something really good going at a club, everything is, is fitting nicely, the manager's good, you can keep this going a bit, just with a few judicious signings. And that's what they've done. They haven't got any money. But, by God, the way they play and the way the crowd gets behind them. And they've got a fighting chance of surviving now. Yeah. And this, this is really a remarkable story. We uh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. We'll, we uh, we've been watching that one,
2: Peach. Uh, 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 this is—I don't know what to make of this. Aston Villa one, Newcastle United three. I, two teams swapping form. Is it—is it a renaissance at uh, Newcastle? Is it the end of the line for Aston Villa? I'm reading too much into
3: this. I mean, uh, we we spoke a little bit about uh, on one of the shows on National Trust. We we touched a little bit about Aston Villa's uh, attacking slide of you know when you look at all the attacking metrics the not just goals scored or whatever but in terms of chances created in terms of conversion rate that there, there was a bit of a dip prior to this game Ollie Watkins had only scored like one goal in his last eight games yeah. after going on that blistering run towards the tail end of last year so we touched on a little bit about all of that and it seemed to be reflected in this game once again because here Villa dominated possession they had a, the largest share of 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 control of the game, Newcastle set deep. They absorbed the pressure. They hit Villa on the transition. And yet, when you look at clear cut chances, it was Newcastle who created the far better chances in this game. Um, I- I'm not quite sure what to make of it. Uh, the only thing I'm, I'm thinking in my head is that you know the Villa squad is not necessarily the biggest um, compared to some of the other boys that are competing at the at the upper parts of the table. So they are primarily using a lot of the same guys week in week out trying to sustain a form that has seen them being built as favourites to qualify for the Champions League at, at one point. So there, there must be a, quite a bit of, of physical pressure on these boys. And I'm not sure if that's having a bit of an impact in, in terms of lethargy because you're still seeing them control ball possession. You're just not seeing it being translated into those killer cut chances that they seem to be creating earlier in the season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's uh, conclude with one uh, match, uh, Crystal Palace 3, Sheffield United 2, uh, Des. Sometimes it, people say that Roy Hodgson has a very dour style of football, but sometimes I think he's got like a man bun and he's just like, he's just like a really cool guy because, you know, when when they've got everyone fit, the, their attacking force is really quite extraordinary.
4: I do need you to forgive me on this. Uh, where I am, I haven't seen uh, much or anything oh. about so uh, no. I'll I'm, I'm, take the, the fifth on this one, if I may. Oh, well, Eze. Anybody want to say anything about Eze? No, it's not just Eze. It's the return of Michael Olise. I mean,
3: no. Michael Olise's return is the one that has really sparked up this result. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm still going to be critical of Roy Hodgson. I still think he's far too conservative at times because the amount of attacking talent that this Palace side has you, you, if, if you give them, if you hand it to a manager that's a bit more progressive, they will just be scoring goals for fun. They've got one of the best attacking departments in the Premier League, in my opinion. Aberichi uh, Eze, uh, Michael Olise. these two players would walk into any of the top six teams. In fact, they are being scouted by the by the top six teams as we yeah. speak. So, uh, Olise has been out for a bit and his return, I mean, some of the combination that he played with with Eze on the day, they, they, there's a lot of those clips going around Twitter at the moment, just, you know, little snippets of, of combination between Eberichi Eze and Michael Olysse. It was really, really, really fun to watch. These guys are, they, they remind me of proper street footballers. You know, the way they play off intuition, It's it's really amazing to watch. Yeah, Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson
2: are exciting. <laughs> 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 only what? because of Eze or well that's all that's what you need you get the players who are exciting and then you are exciting It, 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 it
4: is individuals can make a real difference we just spoke about Newcastle Sven Botman's back makes mm-hmm. a huge difference to Newcastle uh, for Tottenham Michael van der Ven and James Madison are back it makes a huge difference yeah, yeah. So, although we talk about teams there are certain key players within teams and Elise at Crystal Palace to carry on that They seem to be the uh, the talisman. Used to be Zaha for so long at a a Palace. Looks like Elise might be the new talisman there. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, we take a break now, and when we come back, uh, well, it's the big ones that happened over the week: Uh, Liverpool, Man United, etc. Here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine.
0: More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine.
2: Welcome back with myself and Bob Holmes, Des Corkill and Kishnan Sundare-san. And now, Des Corkill, I know you've been busy with the Asian Cup and you haven't been able to watch everything, but I do know that you would have been keeping in touch with uh, issues at Liverpool FC. Uh, Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1. On the last show, we talked about Klopp's uh, announcement of his departure, but we haven't canvassed your opinion on
4: this. Uh, How do you feel about that? Uh, Obviously, very, very sad because he's uh, wonderful, not only for Liverpool Football Club, but for the city of Liverpool as well. He seems to to buy it. And whoever has to take over, uh, be it Roy Hodgson or whoever, <laughs> whoever, whoever, whoever has to take over has really got to buy into the fact it's more than just a football team you're taking over. All, all the other names being thrown around are, are coaches, but they need to buy into the city. It's a strange old city and you really need to buy into it. And that's what Jurgen Klopp has done. But he's also developed a team that, um, okay, there's there's big money, there's huge money spent on Allison and, and um, Van Dijk, etc. But he's growing, bringing kids through. Uh, but Connor Bradley in the uh, in the the four one, mm-hmm. it's not a surprise. There's another kid who's gone on loan to um, Dundee, uh, called Owen Beck, who Liverpool are expecting to come through. Uh, Morton's coming through. You look at the age, Harvey Elliott's a young uh, a young player who's kind of well, although he came from Fulham, has been brought through the system. And Jurgen Klopp has produced not one team, but he's now in the process of producing a second team, and he's going to be leaving Liverpool Football Club wherever they finish this year. He's going to be leaving them in very, very good hands. So while I'm, I'm obviously devastated that, uh, uh, for Liverpool' point of view, that he will he will be leaving, he's he's going out in the right way, in the right fashion, leaving a, a really good uh, project for whoever comes uh, on on board. And you never know if they carry on playing like they did against Bournemouth and against Chelsea the other night, where they were dynamic, they were forceful. They had a little bit of fortune with uh, one or two decisions that might have gone against them um, when Chelsea uh, tried to make a comeback. But Liverpool were outstanding, just outstanding against Chelsea. And it seems like the players uh, have said, OK, Jürgen, you've been so good to us, you protected us. We're going to give this one a real go right the way through to the end of the season. And that was a... A fabulous performance. Uh, I'm really looking forward and I'm normally very nervous about uh, the, the games against Arsenal but I'm really looking forward to this because I, I can see Liverpool trying to go out with something really special because Jurgen Klopp has been such a fantastic manager.
2: And uh, uh, looking forward a little, you you would be very happy presumably with
4: uh, Xavi Alonso? To no, be honest. I, I, He's only done it for a year. I, I really don't have a, a, a firm opinion yet on on who might do it but it's more than a football project. That's what I'd say. Xabi Alonso get, gets Liverpool as a city, but it's um, mm. it's more than a football
2: project. That, then that's uh, Ange Postecoglou. That's all there is, you know. It's like you know, Mr. Emotional, <laughs>
4: right. you
2: know. Somebody that's of that ilk is, yeah, is how, how many are there of that ilk?
4: That's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. Jose Mourinho to Liverpool. No, let, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be
3: absolutely
4: blockbuster. <laughs> Never it. <happen. laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Well, speaking of Jose Mourinho, uh, Keishan and Sundarayson, uh, um, Wolves 3, Man United 4. Uh, Manchester United are, are back. They are, they're good again. Rashford's good. Their goalkeeper is, they, they have a goalkeeper. And, I don't know. It's like, what What does this mean? What does this mean?
3: I mean, Cam, at, at the risk of sounding like a, like a broken record, at the risk of sounding like, a, like an individual with zero capacity for any ounce of happiness, <laughs> um, you know, because United won the game, but I'm yeah. still saying the same things. You remember when we had that two-all draw with Spurs and we did the show a few days later and I remember you asking me the same question. Well, it was a draw with Spurs. It was a decent game. It was entertaining. Surely there's something to be happy about. But it the game just showcased United's inability to just have any sense of control over football matches anymore. It's so chaotic. What, whatever they do in the context of a 90-minute, it's so chaotic. They could be one nil up, they could be two nil up, and they would lose all their hits and just concede and just, you know, drag games into unnecessary territory. And it and 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 this was the same outcome as well. Yes, I know we scored four goals in the day, which is a real positive. But uh how you know, you have Lautaro Martinez back, you have Casimiro back, you arguably have the defensive setup that you've been craving for. Um, you know, Kobe Mino is in the form of his life as well. And you still concede three goals against Wolverhampton. You still struggle to have any sort of control over the football game. There's just so much of chaos in every part of, of the pitch. And therein lies the problem with United. So I know United won the game, but it 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 gave us nothing in terms of trying to understand exactly where we're going from an identity slash tactical point of view. I still don't get what the game plan is with, with United. And at, at the minute, it just feels like every game that comes all we do is just embrace the chaos and just deal with whatever that happens on the pitch and it's it's not a it's not a sustainable method if you want to be a functional support club
2: yeah so uh Bob Holmes Man City three Burnley one uh, Man City very good etc cetera, etc cetera, blah 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 let's talk some more about Manchester United so uh, yeah. What, what yeah what, what 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 would I they the one of the key things about Fergie's United was that that last five, 10 minute, lits. They're never going to give up. They're going to do it. And they did that uh, uh, in this match. And that's a good thing, isn't it?
1: Well, they did, but they conceded in the last uh, couple of minutes as well, didn't they? They conceded and they scored. Um, but uh, I, I'm i surprised that uh, Keish actually didn't mention the goalkeeper in all that. I think being very kind there, uh, Keish. To me, Onana, I think he's cost them quite a few points this season. And European uh, qualification. Uh, I think he's a dud, uh, and I I go on about this goalkeeping thing uh, because I think the primary purpose of a goalkeeper is to keep the ball out of the net, and I cannot believe there hasn't been more criticism of swapping David De Gea, who was the Golden Gloves winner last season. That's the few, uh, the most. Clean sheets kept by a goalkeeper in the Premier League. For well, this clown, uh, Onana, just because he's better with his feet. Last night, or this morning rather, he there was a shot blasted straight at him. He had his arms outstretched as if he was a, a player who couldn't handle the ball. And it hit his chest and then went into the net. It glanced off his chest. Doesn't he realize he's entitled to use his hands? I mean, really, oh, it was very harsh. It bounced think... off him and
2: onto a defender who and then and that, knocked yeah. it back. Why in didn't back. he
1: catch it? Why didn't no, he try to catch but, it? But, uh, he
2: but, did make one goal with that playing out from the No, back. but but, well, but can I, I just I, ask I,
3: this. Can I just ask this to Bob then? So how how what what do you think explains a goalkeeper who was one of the best in the world last year? who was absolutely sensational in the Champions League final, who had an incredible record over the last five, six years, coming to Man United and all of a sudden just crumbling? Oh, oh! I can answer that. Uh,
2: he went to Manchester United and then he crumbled. <laughs> so uh, well, I'll
1: just, I'll I, I just don't pluck know about the best a, in the world. Very,
3: I'll just pluck out a very simple stat, right? I mean, we talk about goalkeepers needing to save um but the other issue is that Man United's defence and Man United's midfield has offered Onana absolutely no protection at all, to the point where Arsenal have faced 57 shots in the Premier League this year. Man City have faced 62 shots in the Premier League this year. Liverpool have faced 72 shots in the Premier League this year. Man United have faced 106 shots in wow. the Premier League this year. That's the amount of room that you're leaving Onana to deal just by himself. Wow. And as a result, you leave a goalkeeper that exposed, you destroy his confidence.
1: Yeah, but look That's at that. howlers. I, well, uh, look, well, well, how many uh, are these absolute uh, yeah. howlers? Absolutely. Not.
2: We have to take a break now. But I, no, ordinarily, I, perhaps we will in uh, part four, uh, turn to our goalkeeping expert, Des <laughs> Corquill, to have his opinion. Because I would love to know. Uh, when We, we look at, look forward to the matches coming over the weekend here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9.
0: More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9.
2: Welcome back to part four with me and Keisha and Dez and Bob. And as promised, we now get uh, the opinion from the goalkeeper who placed at the highest level, Uh <laughs> There's Corkill, who's actually broken every bone in his body as a goalkeeper,
4: apparently. Um, what do you think about Onana? Well, can I talk about David Ajaer first? I, I think he was treated awfully. I thought he was magnificent for Manchester United. Uh, for a long time, he, he, he set some remarkable standards that he dipped down to just a little bit. And he was let go because he's not particularly good with the ball at his feet. He's, he's not awful, but he's not good with the ball at his feet. And Bob made a great, great comment in the, in the last uh, part. The goalkeeper's main job is to keep the ball out, but also to organize the players in front of him. Now there may well be a system, and Keish came up with a fabulous stats there: 107 shots against. That's a, a lot against you. But a lot of that is to do with uh, how you're organized. How and your goalkeeper is such an important part of that organization. The big, uh, the the big thing about Peter Schmeichel. Yes, he had uh, good centre backs, great centre backs in front of him, but he also organized them. He. Uh, he, he he reduced the number of shots. He played his percentage as well. Um, and David Aheer, I think, did something very similar. He was an organiser uh, in, in a more settled team, admittedly. And and this this um, fetish almost for having goalkeepers who can pass the ball 60 yards for one or two assists in a season compared to the four or five goals that may be stopped by uh, a, a better shot stopper, etc. I think that uh, that is a, an overall discussion worth having. But United went down the route of Anana. They've gone down the route of um, being more open because they are easier to get shots off against. Great stats, uh, Keisha. Uh, you should try that in a professional capacity. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's, it just says something to me about the way football is going and what is expected of goalkeepers. Clough had the, Bob Brian Clough had the perfect way. Your attacker's attack, your midfielders get... Um, win the ball in midfield and give it to the attackers. Your defenders defend and your goalkeepers keep the ball out the net. It's it's a very simple game that's been made increasingly complicated as we go through the years. Okay. Um, Bob, speaking of uh, Brian Clough, uh,
2: Bob, uh, we, we've we left out one match which I'd like us to do quickly. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Brentford 2. And I don't know if this was uh, breathtaking from Tottenham Hotspur or scary to watch if you're a Spurs fan. Uh, but, Timo Werner um seems to be how I mean, good he's found his yes. position
1: yes um we we've talked about him before on the show um he was uh I mean he had a lot of bad luck at Chelsea um but he he did enough to uh, become a cult figure among Chelsea fans now that's that's not a bad effort if if you're not scoring, is it but for trying, he gave two hundred percent. And he's very quick. And I think it was a a brilliant move by Spurs to bring him back. And I think uh, it's working out already. He's only played, what, two games, three games? Uh, But you can see a difference. He is very, very quick. And having somebody with that amount of pace up front is a huge asset. I mean, it's being appreciated right now because Son is, is absent in the Asian Cup. But even when Son comes back, I think Werner will will have a place in the side. And he's also helped Richarlison. Richarlison is now scoring a goal a game, I think for seven games in a row. And this is it's a guy- With his feet as well. Yeah. And this is a guy who was l- looking for a psychological help a couple of months ago. Um, you know, so uh, I wouldn't say Werner has done all that, but um, he certainly made an impact. And I think Spurs have, have actually got a, Really good chance of getting in the Champions League right now. I'd, I'd say um, I'd say they're probably favourites to come fourth, and I think they're managed superbly. And I I think uh, Ange Postacoglu is a dark horse for the Liverpool job because as a character, I think he's superb. Well, it's a bit soon though, isn't it? It it, it is a bit. a bit soon, but then it's it's soon it, it's soon for Alonso, as Des said. It's soon for Deserby. There are not a lot of ideal candidates around. The cupboard is pretty bare. Yeah. I mean, who you who do you go to? I mean, there's only one guy who, who who's on the on the podium with with Klopp, and that's Pep Guardiola, and he's not going to go. Who else is there? Yeah. Carlo Ancelotti, perhaps. <laughs> if he wanted another stab at at I love the he's weather. Not, in Merseyside.
2: He's not emotional enough, is he? I, I think <laughs> I think Carlo Ancelotti is the greatest manager in the world, but
1: uh, he's just not Liverpool, um, is, is he? But you've got hmm? Steve Cooper? Steve Cooper. <laughs> uh, well, I might have said uh, that a year ago. <laughs> uh,
2: okay. Well, let's let's uh, move on to more important matters. We've got the matches coming up over the weekend, but before we do that, very quickly, transfer news, transfer deadline time. Not a big transfer market this time around. Um, some people are saying uh, that that means that the the summer one is going to be huge. But it's um, financial fair play days, is it? Is that what's keeping them all uh, quiet?
4: I hope so. Uh, and I'm loving it as well because although it is great news, it is uh, obscene, the, the transfers coming through. And it's also given us a, a chance to see some uh, youth players coming through. Uh, we, we mentioned Bradley at Liverpool. You mentioned Mindo at uh, Manchester United. And, and, and let's not forget, Marcus Rashford came through um, the uh, through Manchester United's uh, youth development as well. And this is what teams should be doing. They should be developing players who are going to save them millions and millions and millions of pounds. Um, Chelsea, to, uh, we can we can whinge and moan about Chelsea and all their spending, but they have a very very good youth development policy that makes them money as well. And I I like this shift in the teams are now being forced to. Um, Create their own players because the the money just got outrageous. It, the money is outrageous, and financial fair players coming home to, to to really bite. So uh, some of the bigger clubs are are worried about uh, being in in um uh, breaking the breaking the rules. It gives uh, younger players a chance to come through, which I really really do like. Um, Saudi is going to be poaching a lot of very good players. By the way, great rumor going around for Saudi Arabia for next year. By the way, Kevin De Bruyne is a, he's a no. big target for Saudi. No. He's the target. <laughs> we, you heard it here first. But what it means is Man City, who themselves have brought a, a lot of players through uh, youth development or their 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 second team. Um, I just think that that's really good, the fact that we've not had much money spent in this transfer window. Okay. Uh, speaking of youth development uh, players, Kishnan and
2: you met David Beckham. You the development
3: player as well. Wow. Well, he was once upon a time. Yeah, he he was down in in Kuala Lumpur yesterday uh, for a for the launch of the World of Predator exhibition. I mean, David Beckham famously wore uh, some really iconic Adidas Predator boots uh, throughout his career. Um, I think the most famous one being the the Predator Accelerator that he wore at the 1999 season, 98 99 season when he won the treble. Uh, the accelerator is also his favorite predator boot as he as he mentioned and brought up yesterday um so it it's he he came down and he he launched the sort of like the exhibition to commemorate the 30 year anniversary of the Predator. and he was he was genuinely so so nice to everyone I was just saying this thing to to cam um before the show started um when we were talking about how uh, you know through the work uh, uh that I do I've had the privilege of meeting some some you know ex uh, Premier League players, some ex La Liga players, some you know uh, former World Cup winners, and some of them are. I mean, most of them are nice, but also a lot of them have a bit of you know agitation with, with when it comes to dealing with with public. When it comes to dealing with you know requests for autographs and photos, some of them might even have a bit of arrogance, and, and I I don't hold any of that against them because it, it might not, it's it's not easy to lead a life as a as a celebrity with people constantly coming up to you for photos and all that but david beckham was just a completely different breed he was just super friendly to every single person that was coming up to him to mm-hmm. every single person that he met um he was just a phenomenal character and he was so willing to share stories um and and it uh, it's really nice that once in a while you meet some of these superstars that you grew up watching in the television and they actually turn out to be you know really nice folks and 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 that's just uh, genuinely genuinely nice yeah.
2: well as we fade down on uh, Keisha's microphone as he continues to gush about David Beckham <laughs> <laughs> um uh we're going to get on to the matches before we do, I really want to know you, you two, Bob and Dez you must have met your fair share of your footballing idols along the way What's your top ones that you've met, Bob? Did the, you mean Brian Clough? The niceness? No, mean, mean, I mean just 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 because it was like, oh my god, it's. Do you know, well? I would say him? the nice
1: the nicest guy actually that I've met in football was Kevin Keegan. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he was incredible. He was rather like uh, Beckham, like, as uh, Keish described Beckham. He was he was tremendous. Yeah, gave yeah. you know extra time for. You know, I mean, nothing was too much trouble. Brilliant guy. And uh, Des, what about you? Uh, So I try not to go in for hero worship, but I
4: once met Pele. And there was an aura about this fella that was just, uh, it was phenomenal. And not far behind that was Zico, who came um, with um, a team to play in Johor in the AFC Champions League. And I I don't do selfies, but Zico, selfie, absolutely. Uh, Uh, Zico and Pele, it's not a bad pairing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Desco Kill wins. (laughs) i think um i met i've met bob holmes um (laughs) (laughs) you do a selfie uh not yet actually we'll do that one day um okay let's look at some of the matches coming up and let's start with bob um let's choose for you uh who do you want to choose i've had the not the most amazing lineup of matches but let's Uh, say saw liverpool Oh, well, I'm going to start. Let's let's throw that one out to everybody. Arsenal, Liverpool.
1: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a cruncher, isn't it? Um, I, we've we've mentioned that Arsenal aren't uh, at, at their absolute peak. Um, they're not as um, in form as Mikel Arteta and their demanding fans would like them like them to be. Whereas Liverpool seem almost re-energized mm. um, by this uh, decision. Um they they seem determined to send cloth o- off Klopp off with a bang. And uh you you sort of re re-look at this whole thing again now. I mean, no one dared to mention the quad again after what happened last time, but they were within ten minutes of it two seasons ago. That's pretty close. Um this this time sites were set rather lower. I don't think anybody really fancied the, them to win the league this season but they've surprised us and when uh, when they qualified for the Carabao Cup final arguably Chelsea were more impressive in the second semi-final uh, when they thrashed Middlesbrough 6-1 than Liverpool were in edging past Fulham and you thought ah oh, this is a bit of a game on here Liverpool would be favorites but Chelsea were very much up for it now after thrashing Chelsea you're looking at it rather differently and really would be a major shock if Chelsea were to win that game. And I think that it shows what Klopp has done and, and the esteem in which he's regarded in Liverpool, even in the Blue Heart. I mean, they know what he's done for the City, Everton fans. It, it's absolutely tremendous. So a legend is leaving and they want us giving the best possible send-off. And this, you you have to contrast this with the way Manchester United played when Alex Ferguson initially said he was leaving. They had a very bad season. They got bundled out of the FA Cup, the League Cup, early doors. They didn't get to the final of the Champions League. They came third in the league. And they were so bad that he changed his mind and came back again and achieved even greater things, built another great team and had another 11 years at the helm, which was what really made him an immortal. But the reaction of the Manchester United team to, to the news that he was leaving, compared to the, the way Liverpool has reacted, it are absolutely night and day. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, quickly then, guys, uh, Kishnan, uh, scoreline for this match.
1: I'm going with Liverpool. I think it's going to be...
4: Uh, I'm going to go with 2-1 uh, to Liverpool. Okay. Des? Yeah, I'm normally not confident about Liverpool go, but playing in London generally, but um, that they've been playing with such a high energy that I can see them doing this. And it, it's really important because, uh, yes, for all the club stuff, Man City are just going to be a runaway train for the rest of this season. And so if you don't win and City win, then the title goes, uh, the the title, uh, the momentum of the title goes to Man City. But yeah, Liverpool, I think to, to get a win, but uh, it's going to be close to so 2-1 or a 3-2, but should be good. Re- really? Oh, I'm seeing a 4-0 to Liverpool. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, Kishan Sundare san um, let's maintain you on the Manchester United theme. Oh. Man United versus West Ham. I mean, West yeah. Ham are well are you i mean you know they're sixth they're above man united but they they need a win as well yeah i mean it,
3: this is a it's 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 a it's a tough one right so obviously coming off uh, the highs the players will definitely be feeling the the highs of that of that win over wolves could uh, be minor getting that that stoppage time winner so the the idea would be to carry that momentum going into this game but it's very difficult uh, to gauge which Man United we're going to get because it, it it was just a few weeks ago that we lost to this West Ham side 2-0. Um, so I, I would not look past this West Ham side at all. I know they're inconsistent. I know sometimes they struggle to get results, but they've got more than enough quality to cause mm-hmm. us problems. What I do want to see is, uh, I'm, and I'm not expecting a lot, what I do want to see is sort of like a settled Man United starting 11 that, that sort of allows us to build some... Mm-hmm semblance of momentum because the first half of the season there was just too many injuries to some of the key players I think we really 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 missed Lissandro Martinez at the back Um, he's not back to his absolute best yet it'll take a while because he's just returned from a long-term injury but him coming back is is a really bright thing for us and I I, I'm really excited by the prospect of seeing Casemiro alongside Kobe Maino because you've got one guy who you know Casemiro is a He's a defensive protector and force enforcer and all that, but he likes to bomb forward and he likes to take uh, high risk decisions in terms of making passes on the pitch. Whereas you've got Kubi Maino alongside him, keeps it simple, you know, is, is such a key component when it comes to ball retention. He holds the ball. So it's on paper, it is supposed to give us some degree of stability in midfield and hopefully just, you know, retaining these two for a bunch of games together without shuffling the pack, hopefully that helps United build momentum. So the next game isn't so much about West Ham, isn't so much about winning. As a United fan, I just want to see us build some form of momentum moving forward. Uh he used the word hopefully
2: a lot there. <laughs> um, okay, well, hopefully they'll win. I mean, will they win? They'll win. Hopefully. Just say yes. <laughs> okay, that's the, best, that's the best we'll get. <laughs> um, uh, Des Kill, Everton versus Spurs. Spurs can be a bit hot and cold. This could be Everton's chance because they, they were hot just now. Time for them to be cold.
4: Uh, so Tottenham have got Van der Ven back. I've I've said as long as he's out, they've got problems because of the hi, uh, the high line that uh post uh, likes to play. Van der Ven has got searing pace. Uh, hopefully Odogi won't pass it to a, an unmarked centre forward in his own <laughs> penalty area. go oh, what was that about? <laughs> <laughs> he, he obviously didn't <laughs> see Tony, of course. Uh, they've also got uh, James Madison back and they've mm. got Timo Werner as an additional um, uh, uh, play, player coming up front. Um, in the next couple of weeks, Son, son Young Min will come back. So I actually think that uh, Tottenham are going to, as uh, Bob said it earlier on in the show, Tottenham are, are really going to come strong again. They're not far behind the top three at the moment. In fact, they're just a, well, one win behind Arsenal, I think they are. As for Everton, they've gone back into their can not score goals. Uh, for whatever reason, but they, they're struggling to score goals. So unless Everton score first, I can see Tottenham getting not a comfortable win, but taking all three points here and continuing their charge for a top four place. I, yeah. I like Tottenham, but, but you need key players in there. You lose Van Der Ven, you lose Madison for a long period of time. The whole shape disappears. And Ben Tekor is back as well in the heart of midfield. The whole spine of their team's been rebuilt. I think uh, the, the second part of the season is going to be good for Tottenham.
2: And this is not even Ange Postecoglou's team. Um, you know, after some of them Some of them are
0: apple. Uh, yeah.
4: yeah.
2: Uh, Bob, we're getting into the rapid fire stage now. Brentford versus Man City. Banana
1: skin for Man City? No. No. <laughs> um we've been saying they, they do well in the second half of the season, um and and will have a role uh, an irresistible runner form. Uh, they're on it. They're already yeah. on it. And they started before the big names came back. But now uh, John Stones is even back. Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne. And uh, they're looking ominous. And I, if it wasn't for this uh, resurgence of Liverpool, um, I'd be saying, you know, it's City's title. But I think Liverpool can, um, because of the extraordinary circumstances, and if they beat Arsenal, um, I think they... they they could still do it. I, I think my money is on City, but I think it could be a close-run thing, which is no comfort to Liverpool fans having been pipped by Pep um, so narrowly on a couple of occasions. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see. I, Man, Man City have got the um, you know the Champions League to defend, and they haven't been as convincing in that as they were last season. So we'll see.
2: Okay, well, let's see if Keish and Des can uh, get the brief with rapid fire Uh, (laughs) (laughs) more than Bob. Keish, um, uh, I'll give you a difficult one. Well, kind of difficult. Newcastle versus Luton Town.
3: Uh, I'm going. It's Saint James's Park. Newcastle will be buoyed by that win a Villa. I'm going for Newcastle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unfortunately, Um, uh, and
4: uh, Des. I'm going to give you Bob's one. Uh, Bournemouth versus Nottingham Forest. Uh, Bournemouth got another decent point last night. Uh, Forest are going through a... I don't know what's happening to Forest. I thought they'd be cl- good to stay up. Bournemouth to carry on their good form, I feel. Uh, a point, at the very least, for Bournemouth's Probably a win. Okay, there are some others.
2: I think we're going to have to miss some. I will choose for you, finally, Bob. Chelsea versus Wolves.
1: Are Chelsea back? <laughs> well, we thought so after the 6 yeah. over Middlesbrough. But um, I, think, uh, I think they're improving. They are getting there. I think Liverpool that night were absolutely sensational. I don't think Chelsea can be judged on that performance.
2: Yes, as you, when, when I saw um, Pochettino sitting on the bench for Chelsea, every time I see that, it's like, what's he doing there? Blah, blah, blah. It, it just doesn't seem natural. It's like seeing a dog riding a bicycle. That that image always upsets me. <laughs> so, uh, well, I want to bring it to the end now, and uh, I would like to thank uh, Bob Holmes. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you, Keishan and Sundaresan. Cheers, guys! Enjoy the last few days of the Asian Cup.
4: Well, yes, and Des Corkill, enjoy the last few days of the Asian Cup. I will do. Please stay up and watch uh, the Astro tonight. Uh, English commentary option if you don't mind. I've got the Australia versus uh, Korea game, and then Uzbekistan. I'm looking forward to Uzbekistan against Qatar because yeah. I've got a real soft spot for the Uzbeks. But in Qatar, might just have too much with happy background. But it's been great here, and then also Liverpool, of course. It's uh, what what a great weekend. Looking uh, looking ahead, and Kesha, who's going to get through the quarterfinals? At,
3: uh who do you who do you you think is going to? That's a that's a hard one. I mean, uh, uh, short and Sweet Japan still favorites to win the title. Um I think Jordan could be the major dark horse here. I I think Australia.
2: I think. It, uh That it's just it would be like them to just sort of just sneak through. So, uh well that brings us to the end. Um, myself Cam Russell and our producer Hanif Baharudin. Thank you so much. Join us next time at 7:30 here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. the city champions
0: 2022 for more football tune in mondays and fridays at 8 p.m just for kicks on bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app